Hello, Northern Michigan. Welcome into episode number 89 of the Get Around. My name is Jake Enniff. I will be your host today. Joining me in the studio, the great James Cook and the podfather himself, Brendan Queeley. I don't even know what I'm doing here. Honestly, I'm not sure. I'm only going to be here for a little bit. I promise. I will only, only for spit pitters talk. Well, yeah, we're not we're not going to be uh, here very long either. Uh, we we uh, wanted to bring you guys a follow up from what happened over the last week in Traverse City. The Traverse City Pit Spitters winning the Northwoods League title, the championship, the summer collegiate World Series, whatever you want to call it. You should know the name of it, probably. I mean, that's all different names. <laughs> that, that's a bunch of different names that they've done. But in the franchise's first season, uh, we have a very special guest on today. Before everybody skipped town, we have the Northwoods League Manager of the Year and Traverse City Pittsburghers Field Manager, Josh Rebant, joining us for Coach an interview. Reeves. Yeah, Coach Reeves joining us for an interview um, about the Pittsburghers season and even to talk a little bit about the future of the franchise. Uh, other than that, uh, we're we're gonna give you our reactions from the season on the pit spitters and talk a little bit more about what's upcoming for us here at the Traverse City Record Eagle. Uh, but we want to get started, you guys. I gotta ask you. We, we you were at the championship game on Friday, Brendan. We were both there. It seemed like half the town was there. I mean, they they use this they use the phrase after the game that baseball is back in Traverse City. Do you think that the Traverse City pit spitters have? already done their job enough to kind of reinvigorate a baseball fan base up here? Winning helps. Winning always helps. I mean, could you imagine if they went, what was it, what did they go down the stretch, 43-7? and seven? Was that their? Something like that. Yeah. Well, they, they, they went 12-13, and 13, they ended up 50 and, or 53-17, and 17, right? I think they went 44 of the last 51 games. Okay, yeah. so That's imagine. insane for baseball. It's right, but it's it's about winning. So had they gone seven and forty-four over the their last fifty-one, uh, I don't think people are showing up at the ballpark. And the crazy thing is, I was at three of the more I wouldn't say important games, but I was at the semifinal and I was at the uh, the World Series win. But I was also at the game when they were on an eighteen-game winning streak. Uh, I went there to the game, thinking, "Oh my God, they're going to win nineteen. This is going to be awesome." Uh, and there were like maybe less than 200 people there in attendance for a team that was on an 18-game win streak. So it took a little bit of time for them to really grab hold of Traverse City and, and get that notoriety and that, that fame. Uh, of course, I was there when they lost. Yeah, yeah I was, uh, unfortunately. But I, was, I feel good that I finished my Spit Pitters record, and I call them the Spit Pitters because I like to. Uh, that my record there was 2-1 and one for the season. And they're for the two biggest wins. I'll say the wins are the um, ones that matter, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I just, uh, winning really helps. And they win again next season, it, it'll be great. But we saw what happened to the Beach Bums. Beach Bums won it in 2015. There were big crowds there. Then they started losing. And a couple years later, the franchise folds. I'm not trying to be a downer on this, but I'm doing a really good job. Well, no, I don't, I don't think, I, I mean, just personally, I mean, I, I was only here for the final season of the Traverse City Beach Bums and for the first season of the Traverse City Pittsburghers. So, I mean, I've seen just a very stark contrast between the two, uh, both with, you know, who's on the field, you know, the, you know, what brings people to the field. Uh, I mean, I, I, winning, I think that was the thing that we told them to start off with. You know, they asked, what do you think is going to be the best way to get people in here this year? And I think, I know I said winning. You put a winning product on the field and people are going to come watch. Obviously, I mean, they broke – the or they tied the league record for wins in a year. They broke the record for most shutouts in a year with 14. Have their own record of 18 games in a row, which I just want to make a side note in my mind. Winning 18 games in a row in literally anything is incredible, let alone baseball, which is such an up-and-down game every inning, every pitch, every day. I mean, we talk about NFL teams winning 18 games in a row. That's a Super Bowl. Like, that just doesn't happen. You know, that just – that's a long winning streak. It doesn't happen in the majors anywhere else. Uh, but, but, yeah, when, when they put a winning product on the field, I think it gave them a really big up. But I think that the, the organization as a whole did a little bit more with family stuff and more, you know, the Star Wars night with, like, their Star Wars themed jersey I saw this year. I mean, there was not any of that coming from the, the previous franchise when I was around. No, they seemed like least. they cared. Yeah, they seemed like they really wanted to get the community out there. And I think the community responded uh, pretty well and showed up in full force. I think we were looking – I mean, comparatively to what we saw last year, the average attendance was around 1,400 uh, fans at the, at the stadium this year. I mean, 
that, that's a pretty good number. And even just us going through and looking around other teams in the Northwoods League, that's above average uh, for, for Northwoods League teams. So I think that they did a good job getting a foothold into the community. No, they did. They did plenty of different promotions uh, throughout the year. They they tried to get people in there. They had fireworks. Thirsty per in Thursdays. the park. Yeah, per in the park. I mean, I wanted to ask you guys, what what do you think was the the best promotion, or what do you think is one that they might need to bring on next year to keep the uh, magic alive? Yeah, I think they'll try some. You'll see some unusual stuff, different from what they did this year. Talking to Mickey, I think that's kind of his thing. Is he wants to try and push the envelope a little bit on at doing these weird promotions uh, you know, like the per in the park is a weird one he wants to be the bill Vec of the northwoods league yeah the guy that revolutionizes the game and in, in the minors bill Vec was the uh owner and i believe gm of the chicago white Sox back in the day he was the first guy to uh, start fireworks after games and fireworks after home runs and all the promotions and stuff that you see now a lot of that was the brainchild of bill Vec. And yes, disco demolition. That didn't work out very well. No, but I was talking to Mickey about this the other night. Mickey Graham, the general manager of the team, and he was saying that that's the greatest promotion ever done. Disco demolition. Disco demolition. <laughs> that intensive beer night. It, those are, he's like he's like everybody knows them. Yeah. Those so those are the you know it's just like you can't no no publicity is bad publicity. That's why the Dime Dog Mondays are awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, was disappointed there was only two of those. I know, but <laughs> it'd be tough to give away hot dogs for 10 cents. I was trying to, th- uh, waiting for food on, uh, on Friday. That was a uh, long Friday, time. And that, was a, that was a long wait. Um, but I was thinking, I'm like, man, they're probably, so there were close to 5,000 people there. They were $2 hot dogs, $2 beers. I mean, they, they had to be making money hand over fist. Oh, my God. Game, right? Dude, no, I was standing in line. I, I was standing in line getting getting some stuff before the game, and I there you stood in line for maybe fifteen minutes. Every single person walked away from the window with at least six hot dogs, and I mean, at least six hot dogs. A dime, dime dog night. No, no, this was just at oh. the at the championship game for two dollars. I mean, I can only imagine yeah. how many hot dogs you were buying on dime dog night, let alone how many you could even eat. But I mean, we talked I, about going. Me and James talked. If I would have been here, I would have just used my press pass, got in. Ordered 20 hot dogs and then left. <laughs> yeah, they only had like two of them. But then no, me and James talked about going to grab dinner one night at Dime Dog Night, uh, going to check out the game. But, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of cool stuff that they ended up doing throughout the season, and I think it really helped uh, the relationship with the community and, I mean, just the community's relationship with baseball. I mean, I do think it was damaged after last year. I, there was a lot of people who were pretty disenfranchised with having another team even come up here. I mean, there were, at the very beginning, I mean, there was even people who were – I remember the criticisms over the name and, you know, what they were going to do with the park and, you know, even just who they were going to bring in if they really expected this to be successful in Traverse City. I mean, there's not a better way to, to show people that you could be successful than winning the championship in the first year. But I think they did a really good job of extending that out and showing that they actually, they mean business at that park and they want to win there, at least is what the, what the franchise is showing me. They want to put on a good product and they want something good at Traverse City, and I think they showed the community that this year. So as I've been watching this, as I watch it throughout the season, because it's such a remarkable story, it is so cool. Like, if you just sit back and think about it as a, as a human person, as a sports writer, as a, a news writer, as a fan, it's just awesome. This is a team in its first season, and it goes and it just sets records, smashes records, yeah, wins the whole thing. Like that is, I even joked about it and on it Twitter, so and magical. I said, and I even joked about it on Twitter, and I said, this is the stuff that ESPN 30th, uh, 30 for 30s are made of. And it's true. I mean, it really is. I mean, what, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys have done your, uh, uh, the trifecta yet, but I feel like what it should be this week would be, what's the, what would be the best tagline for the um, Pitt Spitters 30 for 30? Like, what if I told you, blah, blah, blah. All I mean, right, that'll it's be just, it later. Because that's just something to, to, to think about. Like, I would, being at the park on Friday night and being there as a fan, I, I wasn't there covering the game, which was nice. I was able to cheer, walk around the park, you know, mingle with some of the fans that were there. And it was just, it was really cool seeing the little kids running around and, you know, getting 
jacked up about like I heard one kid go run and tell his friend he's like Mario Camaletti's up Mario Camaletti you got to come watch you got to come see and I was just thinking how cool it would be that Camaletti probably has no idea that that happened right no. but that's such a cool thing to be a baseball player and have little kids at that park know who you are you know want to wear your jersey and then you win the whole damn thing yeah and I mean that's I, just awesome and I saw so much gear Oh, it was insane! The, the, the town bought into it, and that's yeah. what I realized. The, like, everybody was wearing Pittsburgh stuff. I saw, like, just yesterday when I was out uh, shopping at Meyer, I saw three or four people walking around in Pittsburgh shirts. Just at Meyer. And, and it was. Didn't, you didn't see that with Beach Bums necessarily as much. No, and it just went, it was quick, right? Yeah. Like I said, at, there was that 18 game win streak. Nobody was there. I even talked to the ticket person when I went up there for the game. I'm like, how come no one's here? They're like, we don't know. We're, you know, uh, we're hoping that we're going to start drawing bigger crowds, but but we're doing okay. And I walked in. I'm like, this is a record-setting streak. This is 18 games in a row. You should be here. But, uh, you know, they showed up when it counted. Yeah, I mean, I think it it took a bit of time. But I, because I think that's what I said. I think that the town was kind of disenfranchised with just, you know, secondary or, po- or post-secondary baseball, you know, after after the high school fact with what, what has gone on up here in the last however many years. But uh, like you said, just the fact that I, I just think it's amazing because it's still just a, a motley crew of guys from all over the country who have 30 different coaches two days before they step, you know, into Traverse City. They're, they're getting yelled at by somebody else, and they all come together some way, somehow, um, you know, a lot of people have said, you know, baseball is the most individual team sport that you'll ever play because, you know, you don't actually necessarily, like, coincide and work with each other, but you all have to do it together in order to win. Uh, but I feel like to take that away, when you see especially when it comes to a lot of baseball guys in the minor leagues or in summer ball, it really is just about trying to get them better, trying to make them develop. But the fact that they were able to come together and really build that team atmosphere, uh, you know, when we talked to Coach Rebant, he said over and over again about just the culture that he tried to create there. And I think it resonated from the locker room and worked its way outwards. I was very pleasantly surprised, like you guys mentioned, to see how many people had went, had hat, shirts, everything. You know, everybody was out there. Everybody was in full force. And uh, they, they per- not performed, they, uh, they delivered. They were they a did. team of destiny like no other I've seen before. They... They were supposed to win, and nothing was going to stop them. And the, <laughs> and I guess them winning needed the Eau Claire Express to make four errors in a game, including the one on the walk-off that ended it. But that tells you right there that the Pittsbitters were supposed to win yeah. no matter what. I mean, the walk-off, that, the walk-off on Tuesday, even, when, when Mario hit in that one, they, they gave up that lead right there at the end of the game. They were leading the whole time. Then it was like, oh, man. It, it literally felt like they were going to lose. And mm-hmm. then Joe Pace comes in strikes out the side and it was just like okay we're all gonna win this game now and it did and i i thought that i think i said that after because on tuesday and then that they had that one big play at the plate on wednesday in the semifinal mm-hmm. huge but, but i mean still three two game bottom eight i mean these guys were coming up in the clutch moments all throughout the postseason but over and over again throughout the year i mean it just seemed like they would pull out some of these impossible games and 53 or 52 53 wins I can't whatever they ended up to be it showed I mean I don't know any any team that goes two and a half months and loses a, a four out of 50 games yeah but in the the first playoff game on Monday too I mean that game for six innings was zero zero both pitchers were just mowing the teams down and and then just in the seventh inning it's like they just flipped a switch batted around scored seven runs okay this game's over I was just, it was a different vibe with this with this team this year. And, was, and, and, and the beginning of the season, did you guys expect anything like this? No, no. I, we all talked about it. We were like, hey, if, if the, we, we even said if they're even mildly successful, it would be a success for the season. Mm-hmm. You know, we were like, if they're even somewhere in the middle, because we looked at some yeah, of the names. Yeah, we were ballparking 500. Yeah. We were like, we are, let's, let's do, let, we let's root for of, 500. Yeah, we looked at some of the names who have came out of the Northwoods League with, like, Max Scherzer and everything. I was like, we're, we all got excited. Like, hey, maybe one of these kids, you know, will be really big, but it's not like we expect this team to go out and do anything. This league's been around for 25 years. You know, let's just toss them on in there and have them go win a championship when several of these teams, I mean, we were just, I was the All Claire Express who they played in the title. The last time they won was 2016. But their manager is the winningest manager 
in Northwoods League history. He's been there for over 15 years at All Clear Express. He's only reached the final three times. That was one of the three uh, that he's been. So, I mean, we're talking about somebody who's been entrenched, mainstay, has had the same perennial you know, thing to look forward to. Winning his coach in league history still has only made three, has only won one. Trevor City's already up there. I just think that says a lot about what they were able to kind of wedge themselves into in that first year. The Northwoods League is one of, if not the most competitive college, you know, summer uh, league in the Midwest. And well, I'm, I'm definitely in the Midwest, but even in a lot of the country, there is no, uh, I, I think there's no doubt about it that if you can step in, make waves like that, that it's not, it's not going to just be a one, one and done type of deal. Yeah. And at the beginning of the season, you know, when they announced the team was going to be in the Northwoods League and it was this college wood bat league and it was going to be elite prospects, you know, I think I think people got pretty surprised about it or pretty excited about it. And and then when they announced the roster, I was looking at the roster and I was kind of expecting, you know, that this team was going to be loaded with like players from like LSU mm-hmm. and and all this kind of stuff. And then I was like looking through the schools and I'm seeing a lot of the D two and D three schools. And I'm like, Dakota Falls, where the heck is that? Yeah, you, you know and I don't know if fans had the same reaction or not, but I mean, but then that kid performed for him. I mean, he was you know a pretty nice part of that team, and I don't know, everything just came together. I mean, Kalamazoo, who they beat the heck out of most of the time they played them, they had two players from USC. Yeah, didn't do much. Well, I guess that's the one thing that we can learn. Uh, from the Traverse City pit, pit Spitters this year. It doesn't matter where spit you come. Spitters? The Spit Spitters, Spit Spitters, Pit Spitters, Spit Spitters. <laughs> um, hopefully I didn't say something bad in there. No. <laughs> no, but, but I think... I don't think one, we need the bleep. The one thing that we can learn is that, I mean, no matter where you come from or who you get together with, if you guys, if, if everybody puts down to one goal, I mean, top to bottom, I mean, we, up for Mickey Graham, the owners, I mean, they, they were the, the, par- the people who own the Pit Spitters um, are part of the Whitecaps ownership group. You know they had they know what they're doing with minor league baseball. I feel like this season just showed that you you could see from top to bottom from you know the guys all the way you know in the front office all the way down to the last guy on the lineup. They all had a goal. They came together and there was nothing that was going to stop them. So, have you ever seen a finish like that for a championship? Have you ever seen a bases loaded error walk off to win a league championship? Because I was thinking, I mean, the only other walk-off for a World Series that I know is Joe Carter. Oh, and Luis Gonzalez. Sorry, my mistake. In 2001 for the Diamondbacks. I'm going to go ahead and say it's definitely happened before, but I've never seen it. The, I, so I, I was there. I was... I mean, we're we, too, there's the Little League World Series is on right now. I'm sure that's happened at some point. We were, we were standing up on the concourse, and then when everybody got up, I couldn't see home plate. I couldn't. Proctor was up at that time. And I couldn't see, so I'm like running around trying to find a good vantage point. I had to run back to the lawn where my seats were uh, because all the box seats were sold out. Um, and yeah, I'm sitting down there, and uh, my girlfriend had asked earlier in the day. She's she wants to learn about baseball. I'm a huge baseball fan. I watch every White Sox game because I'm a loser and I don't use my time wisely. No, you do not. And um, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and and she earlier in the day she just asked. She's like, "What's a walk off?" And I was explaining it to her, and uh, then we were down there by the by the visitors bullpen, and I said, "Hey, remember when you asked about what a walk off was? You're about to see one." <laughs> yeah, like, there's no other way for this to end. This like, you're to... you're about to see a walk off. Um, and then I thought I jinxed it because I had said that with the bases loaded and the game tied and nobody out, and then uh, Two outs later. yeah, I was like, "Oh boy, all right, I, now I feel bad." Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just it was incredible. What a what a finish. What a just. It, we're, we're sitting here three days later and going, or I still am going, what the hell did I see? That's going to be, I mean, enough from what we saw. We're going we're gonna to let this segue into our interview with the Northwoods League Manager of the Year. We welcome in Josh Rebant. The interview is brought to you by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Freaky Fest, Freaky Fast, Jimmy John's, Freak Yeah. He was gracious enough to join us uh, earlier this week on Monday before he skipped town and moved on with his normal life. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and listen to that now. All right, we are very excited to welcome into the Get Around Podcast Studio 
the Northwoods League Manager of the Year, the Traverse City Pittsburghers Field Manager, Josh Revan. Welcome very much. Thank you so much for coming and uh, sitting down with us today. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me, both of you guys. I appreciate it. I'm pretty sure the emotions are still running pretty high from this past weekend. For everybody who doesn't know, which I'm pretty sure everybody in Traverse City knows by now, that the Traverse City Pittsburghers um, won the Northwoods League uh, Championship, the title, in their inaugural season with Josh uh, taking up the helm, and we wanted to bring him in. Kind of do a little follow-up about the weekend because it was a pretty big deal for us out here in Traverse City. Uh, just to get started off with, I mean, obviously Friday was a pretty big deal. Heart-wrenching. That's two walk-offs in the playoffs. I mean, it seemed like a magical season. What could you say about uh, the postseason run especially? Yeah, the postseason run was awesome. Um, starting down in Kalamazoo on, uh, on Monday, and it was 0-0 going into the seventh inning, and Mario Camaletti, our second baseman, had a big hit to – Get us going uh, in that in that seventh inning. We ended up scoring seven runs, um, kind of set the tone for the playoffs. It was a it was a close game right away, and then we were able to to pull through. And then the next night, Mario was a hero again at home with the walk off in front of a really nice crowd at home. Um, and then Madison has always been a, a perennial team in the Northwoods League. They've always had a really nice club, uh, excuse me, a really nice club. And um, they came in, and we were fortunate enough to have a close three to two win at home and send the fans home happy. Um, Jake Wilson made a really nice throw from center field to nail down the tying run in the eighth inning. Um, and then obviously the championship game, I having over 4,600 people there um, supporting us was awesome. And uh, being able to do it in walk-off fashion, just can't write a better script for it. So it was, it was pretty special. How, how interesting was it? I mean, the, the, the kind of the scenarios that you guys get put into at the end of the season with the, the uniqueness of the Northwoods League and these kids having to get back to school. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, you had to throw your ace way earlier in the playoffs than you maybe would have wanted to or, you know, maybe saved him for the for farther along in the playoffs or anything like that. But you had to throw Hoffman early. Um, you know, the Express was shorthanded, obviously, a little bit. Sure. Other guys went back. How, how does that impact how you plan for these things? Yeah, it's tough because you can't, can't always plan for it. Um, and fortunately enough, um, I think one thing that was different about our team this summer uh, than a lot of the other teams in the Northwoods League, and this isn't to pat our own back, but – um, we were fortunate enough to have 28 guys there on championship day um, where our roster cap is at 30 and where most teams, when they get into the playoffs, um, end up having anywhere between 16 to 20 players. Um, and I think it just shows the commitment and loyalty from our guys that stuck it out all the way through and that enabled us to have the pitching depth to be able to do what we wanted to do um, in that postseason run. And 24 of those 28 guys that were there on championship day were a part of the original plans for the Northwoods League team this year in Traverse City this summer. Um, we ended up going through 41 players throughout the summer, um, and most teams are between 55 and 65 players. So uh, my goal is day 40 or under. We had to bring in a catcher on that last weekend in Kalamazoo on the road uh, to give Proctor a breath because our other catcher had to report back to school. Um, so it, it ended up being 41. My goal was 40, but um, I think it just really shows the commitment and loyalty that these guys stayed true to their word when they signed on with us last fall um, or this spring, whenever that opportunity came up for them, and uh, they, they ended up keeping that commitment. So I think that was pretty cool. Yeah, because you had, a, you had what Andrew Hoffman had to drive back special to make that start in the playoffs, right? He had already gone back to home yep. to, to go back to school. Yeah, Hoffman this year, he was uh, he was incredible for us. Obviously, he was pitcher of the year in the Northwoods League. His numbers spoke for themselves. Um, very deserve, deserving honor um, for him. And then once he kind of was getting his plans in, he's, he is committed to the University of Illinois for 2020. Um, he's going to a junior college this, this year for his sophomore season at John A. Logan. Um, and campus move-in date, he had to move into campus uh, but fortunately enough, classes hadn't started yet, so he was able to come back and pitch for us um, Tuesday night and uh, be a part of this playoff run. He told me be, um, before he left for uh, to move in, he's like, Coach, I really want to come back and pitch in the playoffs. He's like, we've, we've done so much with this team this year that I really want to be a part of that playoff run. And uh, he's like, I think there's only going to be one day that I'll be able to pitch, and that's Tuesday night. Um, so I'm like, well, hey, you know, we'll, we'll make yeah. it work. You'll, you'll find a way to be in that spot that night. Um, and obviously when you're putting together the, you know, the plan for the rotation, you got to figure out when each guy's going to throw. But sometimes you have to work around player schedules and when they have to report back to school. Um, so Hoffman doing what he did for us and, and making that drive back up. And 
being a part of that playoff run was was really cool. Now, now I've heard over and over from your guys uh, about different things about your coaching style and why they think that the team works so well. But I wanted to ask from your side. I mean, it, it's a bit different getting a whole bunch of guys who have thirty different coaches a week before you get them. Uh, you know, they're they're coming out of college. They they got a whole different system, a whole different deal. Um, what is your strategy for bringing so many different people from so many different places together to form a, a team just for a couple of months? Yeah, the uh, the biggest thing is preaching culture. Um, I think that's probably the the number one thing to try and get everybody on the same page is talk about a team atmosphere and um, helping the guys realize that the team game is how you win and that's how you get better. Um, a lot of times players come to summer programs and they want to be – seen by scouts and a lot of times that makes them play selfishly and play for themselves and I always feel like when players do that that their performance suffers um, but when they play for the guy next to them and they feel like hey you know I'm, I'm here for the guy next to me for these next 75 80 days it takes a lot of pressure off yourself and then just kind of inherently you end up having better statistics when you're playing for the guy next to you and then they realize hey this is how you win this is how you get seen by scouts and those kinds of things. Uh, you guys did have quite a few people step up in the clutch. There was a lot of consistent people. I mean, uh, Andrew Morrow was one of the RBI leaders. Uh, you know, Mario Camaletti came up in the playoffs a few times with walk-offs, but I know that wasn't his only deal. Kyle Jones threw a lot of really, really good innings for you guys. Um, I mean, you guys had a lot of good talent. I mean, we, we talked about Joe Pace in the playoffs, too. After joining you, what, about midway through the season, um, coming out of the College World Series from Michigan, yeah. uh, still me melding right into the fold with the rest of the team. Uh, what 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 can you say about some of these guys that you had this year, and what where do you see their potential rising to? Yeah, um, I, we you know looking at our roster, um, like you guys just mentioned. I mean, there were there were a couple guys that got the limelight a little bit more, like Mario Camaletti. You could tell when he came up to bat in the playoffs; he's a fan favorite here in Traverse. Um, but there were so many guys, and we talked about it over the course of even the winning streak. I think the first seven out of the 18 games on the winning streak, we had a different pitcher on the mound for the last out of those first seven games. And I think over the course of that 18-game winning streak, I think we had 10 or 11 different pitchers throw last out during that stretch. So that just kind of showed the depth, the team aspect that we wanted um, you know, these guys to buy into. And then as they go back to their schools, our hopes for them is that they're able to um, to help create a winning culture at their programs. And it doesn't stop in Traverse City. Um, some of these guys don't come from programs that won this past spring. Um, Joe Pace and Riley Bertram, they're a little bit different. They you know, obviously made it to the College World Series championship and ended up losing to Vanderbilt. Um, so they've, they kind of have been a part of a winning culture at their college programs. But our goal for them is that every player, whether they had a winning season at their college or not this past year, is to help take what they've learned here to be a better leader on their team when they go back to school this fall because um, our, our hope is that all these guys in their programs when they uh, play in the spring that they're going to have more success than what they did previously, not just as an individual but also as a team. So um, guys like you mentioned, Kyle Jones, um, Joe Pace, Andrew, Andrew Morrow, you know, some of these guys didn't even have as much playing time in th this past spring. And, you know, this summer I feel like that was an opportunity that they took upon themselves to be able to blossom as a player and um, even not just get noticed by, you know, potentially professional organizations, but also to prove to their own coaches, too, that they have the ability to play and get in the lineup at their school. So um, I think it was pretty cool, pretty cool summer for a lot of these guys just being able to perform at a high level. Yeah, and it seemed like a lot of guys outperformed what they had done in college. Even guys who had played a lot seemed like, the, you know, they just put up better stats this summer than they did in the in the spring even with the wooden bats and everything what do you kind of attribute that to is it just a matter of getting maybe more consistent playing time than on a college team where you're really really fighting maybe 15 40 guys or whatever yeah I think there's a lot of different factors I think um, one like you said when you when you know that you're consistently playing every day like a guy like Andrew Morrow he he didn't have a lot of at bats this past spring at Michigan State um, but him you know, being able to be in the lineup every day and feel comfortable enough to know, um, you know, if that he'll be in the lineup the next day, um, and he he earned that here. He didn't. It wasn't you know necessarily an original plan that he was going to be an everyday guy. It was just going to have to kind of get figured out as the summer went on. But he was able to prove himself to be an everyday guy, and then that helped him get comfortable enough being an everyday guy. Um, but I think a lot of times, guys, you know. 
when you get to the college level, you have to learn how to fail. And I think these guys know how to fail and overcome it. We started out 12 and 13 this summer, and you know our, our message stayed the same, just get better every day. And at some point, the tables will turn. Like if, if you guys stay committed to each other and play for the guy next to you, at some point, the tables are going to turn and you guys will start seeing success. If you continue to come to early work, get extra swings in, take extra ground balls, work on the things that you need to, um, or even during our batting practice, we do things a little bit different, especially at home during batting practice in terms of player development um, defensively. A lot of times people think of batting practice as just going out and just taking batting practice, but we believe that it's a big time for our infielders to get live reads off the bat, throw across the infield to make plays that they might have to make that night as opposed to just taking a, a fungo ground ball from a coach with no pressure on it, whereas you know you might have a 95-mile-an-hour exit velocity uh, batted ball during batting practice in the hole. you got to run, stop, throw it across the infield, and that way you can practice those plays um, during what people consider batting practice, but we kind of consider a defensive BP when we're at home, um, just because we have we know we know we have the screens to be able to protect guys while we're at home. So um, there's just a lot of things that I think um, I kind of went off topic there, but um, that the guys have bought into, and hopefully, um, like you said, they can perform at that level when they go back to their programs. Now, I, I we kind of talked about guys leaving for their respective programs, but. Uh, one other thing with the Northwoods League is that you really don't know who you're going to be back with next season. You know, th this team that we had this year could look 100% different next season if everything worked out a, a different way. Now, um, do you, is there people that you, in the clubhouse culture you've already talked to who are who want to come back and come back to Traverse City next summer if there's an opportunity for them and who are really want to make sure that the Pittsburghers kind of have that continuity into the future? Yep, there's definitely uh, there's definitely a few guys that uh, mentioned it on their way out um, that they would love to come back next summer, and I've just kind of been telling the guys, hey, let's just take a few days, let this thing soak in. Um, I I don't really want to didn't at that moment want to start thinking too much about 2020. I wanted the guys to be able to enjoy the moment that they're in, um, and then kind of start figuring things out over the next couple weeks of. Who, um, who will come back and who will be those leaders again in our clubhouse. Because um, it is important to have some, some of the same guys back, um, guys that you know can help lead this team. Uh, they understand how we like to do things as a coaching staff, and if we were to get off to a 10 and 15 start in 2020, that they know exactly you know, how we do things and that the tables will hopefully turn um, if they continue to stay bought into the process. So. Um, I, I won't mention names yet. If, um, we haven't necessarily gotten to that point, um, but there's definitely uh, quite a few guys that I know want to spend 2020 in Traverse City. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, winning has to be a pretty good recruiting tool for it as well. Because I mean, it's it's a mutual agreement between the players and the organizations on which ones they're going to play for. Correct. Correct. So, yeah. I mean, that has to do a pretty good job for you guys in your first season. You know, setting or tying the uh, wins record for the Northwoods League. Uh, breaking, we kind of you kind of teased to it there with the 18 game win streak, breaking the longest win streak in league history, most shutouts in league history. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's happened in this first year, and I'm sure other people have seen the culture from the outside. I mean, how much do you think that might be able to help you know the the franchise in the future? Yeah, I think it's going to help immensely, um, and not just the winning, but I think too when guys go back to their programs. I've already had these a lot of their coaches already contact me about wanting to send players again for 2020. Um, and that's a lot of it's based on the conversations before that they've had with their players before we even won the championship, just that they feel like they've gotten better, that they're being treated first class by our organization. Um, the facilities, too, that we have are second to none, even in the Northwoods League. We uh, definitely have the best facility in the, in the Northwoods League, either in the Great Plains or the Great Lakes. Um, having an indoor hitting facility where the guys can come in and swing on their own, um, and then the stadium, the atmosphere, the locker room, um, the, the meals that were given, and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's definitely second to none. Our athletic trainer travels with us on the road, which is pretty much unheard of in the Northwoods League. There are some that will go on day trips, but rarely, once you get into those overnight trips, rarely do you have an athletic trainer that'll travel. And that's a huge benefit to us because he knows the lingering issues that are going on. Whereas if we didn't travel with him and they had to see a trainer on the road, that trainer, you know, they're going to be a little bit more um, protective, if you will. Not that our trainer won't, but they won't want to put a guy on the field that they would feel at risk for. Whereas our trainer knows the ins and outs of that injury 
and um, and knows when that player will actually be ready to be put on the field. Where it, so they might be able to get in to a game a couple days prior if we're on the road versus having to wait to get back home to be evaluated by our home home trainer. So uh, there's so many benefits, and I know that stuff is being reported to their coaches, and that's a lot of the reasons why we're being contacted already for 2020. Well, and just to pat our own backs, I mean, Traverse City's not too bad of a place to stay for the summer, is it? <laughs> no, not at all. No, no. Pro- probably one of the better summers you've had, uh, you know, just camping out in one of these other cities. Yeah, no doubt. Traverse City is awesome. Um, we got, I got to spend the All-Star break with my wife up here, and we went to Sleeping Bear Dunes. We spent a lot of time downtown. Um, I mean, going to the local restaurants or breweries or coffee shops or um, – and the weather, too. I mean, it's, it's the best weather. When we had the championship game and it was like 75 degrees or 70 degrees, whatever it was, you, I mean, it's not blistering heat where you're playing 95-degree <laughs> weather. Um, so, yeah, the city of Traverse City, and not just the city, but the people up here, too, they're so welcoming. Um, and that's one thing that my wife and I talked about when I first um, was able to accept the position to come and coach here. We spent a weekend up here, and like man Traverse City like we neither has spent a lot of time even though we're both from Michigan we hadn't spent a lot of time in Traverse City and we were just blown away like it's such a welcoming community and um, obviously that kind of showed as the playoff run kind of panned out where we had so much fan support over those last few weeks so pretty pretty cool and special yeah and the, and the weather played a, a factor too you were kind of almost expecting game one to be rained out the game mm-hmm. with Kalamazoo and then there was a couple other games where it was kind of supposed to maybe rain in the evening and it it held off, and then the rain after the championship game held off until just after the game. Yeah, until just after you guys all got doused with a Gatorade bottle. So yeah, yeah, yeah no, that 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 makes it better because at least you're going to be wet already. Exactly. But uh, there's, <clears throat> I was to say, after right after the championship game, uh, talk a little bit about the atmosphere and stuff. Uh, you know, like five minutes after the game ended, you know, you did all the the activities where you raised the trophy and stuff like that. And another five minutes later, it started heavy rain. And the players were still down there on the field, I don't know, signing autographs, doing whatever out, out in front of the bullpen. They just, they didn't care that it was raining and it was wet. They were just lingering down there and trying to soak it all in. Yeah, no doubt. The uh, the players really enjoyed it, and I know. Um, I mean, they've even mentioned that how much they've enjoyed even signing autographs, and you can kind of tell when players actually say believe what they're saying by taking the time to sign autographs. It's not like, yeah, you know, it's cool. You know, we could sign a few autographs. But then they just walk straight to the clubhouse and maybe sign one, whereas a lot of the guys are, I mean, there weren't really any guys I noticed that were in the clubhouse earlier than other guys. Um, They just really wanted to be there for the fans that were waiting outside the locker room or waiting for them to come up the stairs that wanted a picture with them or sign sign autographs. And so um, I know for them this might be the – you know, the one summer that they actually get to sign autographs. You just never know if a guy gets hurt, and um, hopefully it doesn't happen, but it could be the end of somebody's career within the next year. You just never know. And so um, just trying not to take a day for granted and making sure that there's kids' lives that are looking up to these players um, that want to be them at some point, possibly if they're a baseball fan, um, and making sure that they're doing things the right way and treating them the right way. So, Yeah, I mean... I remember talking to Mario and a couple of the other guys, and they all said that just the atmosphere at Pittsburgh's Park a lot of times over the season was was a big boost. Uh, a lot of them have never played in front of crowds that size, and a lot of them may never play in front of crowds that size. I mean, 4,000 doesn't seem like too much to a lot, but even for the Northwoods League, that is an extremely high uh, attendance number. I mean, what do you think that type of atmosphere uh, does for these young college kids? Only some of them, you know, Hoffman only being 18 or 19, uh, pitching every day uh, on the mound with that type of crowd. What do you think that atmosphere, or even just the atmosphere of the competitiveness of the Northwoods League is able to do for these college players as they go back into their uh, respective schools? Yeah, when they go back, um, I mean, pitching in front of, you know, 75 people on a 35-degree day in Michigan or Illinois or Indiana or wherever uh, wherever they're playing, um, it's definitely a, a big difference because they've played in games where they're blood- – Pressure has been high. Um, their heart rate's been high. Um, where you know, going back, um, you know, when you have those opportunities to perform with, um, you know, a hundred people, it doesn't seem as intense, and you're able to control your emotions. Um, but it also helps a lot of these guys too that are going on the road that first or second weekend of Division One baseball, and they're playing at LSU or they're playing at Arkansas, where there's 
six to 10,000 fans just yelling and screaming. Um, so for them to be able to be prepared in that for that moment by having experienced that during the summer, they know how to control their emotions in an intense situation. So, um, you know, I think about Joe Pace, um, for, uh, we were on the road in Kalamazoo. They had, this was uh, a few weeks ago back in July and, um, we were on the road. It was extra innings. They had bases loaded. Joe Pace got behind in the count 3-0, and the winning run was on third base. It was an extra inning game. He ended up battling back to a full count, and um, he ended up – Kalamazoo ended up walking off on us, but it wasn't on a walk. It was on a base hit. And just knowing that Joe Pace controlled his emotions enough to have the bases loaded, if he walks the guy, it ends the game, gets behind 3-0 – Battles back to 3-2 and then ends up giving up a full count base hit instead of walking the guy. That showed that how much he's able to control his emotions. And there was probably uh, at least 2,000, 2,500 fans, and they were up on their feet that night in Kalamazoo. It was a really loud atmosphere. And um, I, I just, you know, those types of moments will help prepare him, even going back to Michigan, um, where they will play in front of crowds that are, 2,000 or 2,500, and um, just knowing that he has that ability to um, stay calm and composed and be able to execute pitches, I think it's huge for him. Now, we already kind of touched on uh, <laughs> players, and we actually kind of chatted about this before we started recording, but I just wanted to ask you, you know, you, you were at Davenport uh, re before you came up to Traverse City, and now you did your whole summer with Traverse City. Just what, what are your future plans with baseball, and, and how are, do you think that the Traverse City uh, faithful can see you back on the sidelines next season? Uh, I, I would say, as of now, I, I intend on being back uh, in 2020, um, just trying to figure out um, things right now for the offseason. That's kind of my main focus right now, um, and just trying to take a step back. I won't be going back to Davenport. Um, I'm going to just try and figure out a way to make some, some extra money in the offseason uh, from, from September to, to May, and um, just try and set up our, our family's financial life you know, a little bit better, just try and prepare for the future. Um, my wife and I have talked about possibly starting a family some point in the near future, and money's obviously a big factor. When you start having kids, they, they cost a lot. So <laughs> um, we just want to make sure we're, we're smart with our decisions and, uh, and our time. And so um, in the off season, just uh, try and uh, find a way to make some, some extra money. I have some plans um, of how to do that. Um, but... Um, I do intend, to, as for now, coming back for 2020. Going back to one little thing you mentioned a little before, how often is it that coaches will contact you and say, you know, that, you know, we're sending this kid to you and give you, like, a checklist of we'd like him to work on this and this and this? Yeah, it's uh, especially um, pitchers are probably the, the hardest to deal with. Um, we had multiple guys that were on innings limits this summer um, that – we would only get 40 innings with them for the summer. For instance, Evan Gates, who was a big part of our first half, um, and Cade Heil. Um, Cade was a starting pitcher for us, and then Gates was a starting pitcher, and then we transitioned him to the bullpen um, to try and make those 40 innings last. Um, but So we will get innings limits on guys, and that makes it probably the most difficult um, just because then you have to find new pitchers. Fortunately, Luke Little was able to come in um, and take one of those, I think it was Cade's spot, um, and, and Luke was a great addition to our bullpen. Um, but guys definitely come with checklists, like Riley Bertram wants to come in, focus on bunting. Um, Joe Pace just needing experience on the mound in, in leverage situations. Um, and then Mario Camaletti, he wanted to work on being able to make plays behind second base, um, balls that were hit to his right. Um, and be able to make some really good plays on that. And we were able to see him get better at that over the course of the summer. Um, so there's certain plays, and a lot of times it's just one or two things, and sometimes it comes from the coaches, like you said, and then also sometimes it comes from the players too. Some some like, hey, I want to learn how to steal some bases. Like, I'm not the fastest guy, but I want to learn how to swipe 10 or 15 bags a summer. Andrew Morrow was one of them. He never would have thought that he would have stolen over 10 bases a summer. Um, but he was able to, to find the right key spots with the right pitcher-catcher combo times um, to be able to, to take a base, and um, I think he ended up with 12 or 13 this summer. So um, there's definitely individual checklists and then also coaches' checklists too, and we try and match both of those up. So for some of the guys, it might be a little bit easier for them to come to you and be like, hey, I need to work on stuff than going to their, their college coaches who they're going to be stuck with for the next four years. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a development league, and that's it also is easy for the coaches to come to us too. 
because um, they know that this summer, I mean, fortunately we were able to win, put out, you know, obviously a, a good product on the field this summer. Uh, but really, it's ultimately about the players' development and working on those things. And when you get the opportunity to work on things and win at the same time, that's when it's really exciting. Um, so, yeah, I think for, for the guys, it's definitely easy for them to come to us, too, just because they know it is a part of the developmental process. And winning isn't everything, but we all want to win. Um, and as you get better and are able to perform at something you weren't able to before, um, then that kind of validates that process of them knowing that they're getting better over the course of the summer. All right, well, that's going to move us into our Freaky Fast Five, a nod to our sponsors at Jimmy John's. Five rapid-fire questions, pretty easy, mostly silly, uh, just so the folks in Traverse City can kind of get, get to know you and who you are without your manager hat on. Um, James, we'll get started off with you. Uh, what, what do you have? All right. Who had the oddest batting stance this season? Michael Slayton. Yeah. Yeah. Open, open stance, it's, and then uh, the high leg kick. Definitely, right. Michael. A little Slayton. bit, a little Ichiro there. Uh, sort of. A little esque. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little Ichiro esque. Um, it was just definitely unique. The first time I saw him swing and was throwing batting practice to him, I'm like, yeah, he's he's got a little bit of a different style. So. Okay. <laughs> here, here's a good one. Uh, you have one uh, one ace from Major League history, and it could be current, former. Uh, who do you take to lead your team? Uh, Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox. Yeah, I just I loved watching him grow up and um, his ability to control the the strike zone. Um, he was a contact pitcher, also a strikeout pitcher. Um, rarely ever went to a three ball count or a three zero count, I should say. Um, and as a coach, you just love guys that fill up the zone, um, that make it easy on the defense. And he's he's a proven winner, so I'd have to say Greg Maddox. Now you said uh, you're, you're going to be taking a little bit of time off here in the off season. I'm sure it's probably one of your first times away from baseball in quite a while. Uh, I mean, what what other hobbies do you have, or what do you hope to pick up as uh, you get a little bit of time for yourself and your family? Yeah, um, I'll probably um, I'll probably go out on the water a little bit. My my parents have a pontoon boat, and we uh, we water ski a little bit off that pontoon boat. So before before the snow starts coming in a couple months, we'll probably try and get out on the water once or twice. I really enjoy that, and then um, I've always enjoyed enjoyed hunting, um, but with the baseball schedule from at a college you're a lot of weekends you're gone recruiting um or you have recruits visiting campus and so i think maybe this fall and winter i might have a little bit of more time to do that one of my, my uh one of my brothers jeff and my dad they're both avid hunters and um so i may i may try and dabble in that a little bit i went out hunting i think probably five years ago and shot my first year i thought it was a doe it ended up being a button buck and um, so it's just one of those things that for the first deer you think, hey, just shooting a doe, and then you end up yeah. finding out it's a little button buck. And uh, hey, you uh, learn, you learn. Trust yeah. me, my first deer was not not a very big one either. It was <laughs> like three and a half with like a fourth that we we thought was right. No, it was it wasn't very big, but how old I was probably like sixteen or seventeen. Uh, okay, so who's a player who joined the team? I mean, I know you you have expectations or think of what guys can do and stuff like that. But who's a player who joined the team who really outperformed what you thought you were going to be getting? Sure. Um, I would have to say uh, probably Andrew Morrow. Um, it, I knew Morrow had had the ability um, just because he had proven it at the junior college level. But um, going into Michigan State, he didn't play a lot this past spring. Um, so I knew something was in there because um, obviously Michigan State recruited him for a reason. Uh, they wanted him to come play for us this summer, um, obviously for a reason as well. So I knew it was in there, but I didn't know how much necessarily. Um, but, man, he I thought he really proved himself this summer. Um, his ability to hit for power, his ability to handle velocity, um, his ability to drive in runs in key moments. I mean, he went 0 for 3 with three strikeouts, but he also had two RBIs in that championship game, the sack fly that scored our first run. And then um, he ended up hitting in that winning run on the throwing air. Um, so um, he, he, even in days where he didn't see the baseball as well and may have had some swing and miss in his bat, he was still able to find a way to help our team perform. And um, I think also defensively, I think he got a lot better this summer, a lot more comfortable on the infield um, playing at first and third. Um, and then he was also a DH for us too on certain days where we wanted to give him a little bit of a breather um, so I would say him, and then I'd also have to say Hoffman, too. Hoffman's statistics at Oakland this past spring, they, I think he had over a 6 ERA. Mm -hmm. 
um, and then to come out and have a sub one two ERA, I think it was like a one oh one oh eight one oh eight. Yeah, from yeah. what I except for that, if you don't count the playoffs, if you don't count that, it was like one oh eight. Is I think what he finished for the season. Yeah, yeah. So that's outrageous. Stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and I think ten starts or whatever it was, a ten starts. I think. Yeah, over I think time, it was. But yeah, it was yep. still that. That's still outrageous. Uh, one more question for you. And I'm sure you, you have to have one of these because you're at the baseball park all the time. And I know that all these stadiums use the same type of music. But what song would you pay to never hear again? Hmm. Man, that's a good one. Ah, oh, man. I can't, I can't remember who it was, but one of the guys on your team, his walk-up song was Call Me Maybe. Yeah, that was uh, Nick Powell. But, yeah. but he also <laughs> didn't choose that. His host, one of his hosts, like siblings, okay. uh, may have chosen that or maybe the guys chose it for him because he didn't want to choose one. Okay. So that was kind of more of a... More of a joke because I thought because I know that at Pittsburgh's Park they're always playing like the like Rugrats theme song or something when the opposing the opposing teams right. coming up to bat to kind of get in their heads and I'm just like why in God's name would you want to call me maybe as your walk up song yeah but if he didn't choose it I'm, I'm I figure somebody would have had to have chosen it for him yeah but. I'm trying to think of annoying annoying songs when you first asked that question I thought you said what song would you want to hear oh. and so my mind initially went right to. What what would be my favorite song to hear at a stadium? Um, trying to think. My 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 theme personal theme song this song or personal theme song this summer was the Carrie Underwood. I I am a champion. Uh, okay. That was kind of my victory song. I'd played in our coach's locker room um, or on the headphones on the bus or whatever. Um, just I I had heard that I think during the Super Bowl and then um, started hearing it a few more times. So um, just kind of attached that and then it ended up. We ended up going on a winning streak, and it just kind of became part of the routine. Um, so that was probably my favorite song this summer. Um, I, man, I can't think. I mean, I know a lot of people, they, they don't necessarily like the Baby Shark song. The only reason why I like that one um, is just because it gets the crowd into it. Um, and it's fun seeing everybody in the stands in unison doing the yeah. doing the Baby Shark or <laughs> Grandpa Shark or whatever it is. Um, so you're not a fan of that one, James? <laughs> no, I just find the song to be annoying. But I think there was yeah. three or four times in the press box. He's like, "This song." I know yeah. it's a thing that you know families can get into with their kids and stuff. Well, yeah, no, that, yeah. they were making fun of me because I was clapping five times every time the cha cha slide came on. Right. And, like no clapping in the press box. I'm like, it's the cha cha slide. I'm not. I'm not clapping in the press box. I'm dancing. <laughs> but uh, that that is gonna do it for our time with uh, Northwoods League manager manager of the year, Josh Reban. Thank you so much for coming in before you you skip town and uh, get along with your life. And uh, hopefully we will see you back here next summer. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, James. Appreciate you guys and all your coverage this summer of our organization. And thank you very much. Once again, a big thank you to Traverse City Pittsburghers field manager Josh Reban for joining us and talking more about the exciting inaugural season for our now hometown team. The championship inaugural season. Yes. I don't, get, I don't think you get to say that very often. I'm going to need to get myself or get, get ourselves the, uh, the, the Get Around Studio one of those championship t-shirts that he was wearing when he came in here. We got to talk to Mickey or something about that, make sure we can get some swag for there. We got ourselves one of the rally towels. Uh, from the first game, the first home playoff game ever, it's pretty cool. We got we got a shirt from the inaugural season, but now we need Northwoods League champion shirt. So that that's going to be an addition to championship our, merch. Yeah, that's going to be an addition to our studio here at the Get Around. But we only have a few things left to do. Uh, just to start off with, we want to talk to you guys about what's coming up for us here at the Traverse City Record Eagle Sports. Obviously, the fall sports season is fastly approaching, and for many teams, has actually already started. I was. Rudely awakened by some uh, prep phone calls this past <laughs> Saturday, um, not realizing that the season really was already underway. Uh, we got tennis coming up, swimming, um, football, volleyball, cross country. Um, golf. Yeah, I've got some boys golf coming in. Uh, just to get that whole season started off with, as normal, we have our big fall tab preview section that's going to be coming out on Thursday, uh, August 29th. That's going to do some... More in-depth stories on a couple different characters and teams that are across our coverage area, a couple from each sport, along with players to watch and uh, any type of changes that you can look out for in this fall season. Um, some pretty exciting stories in there, some pretty big ones for us, as always. Always try to uh, you know, get, get, the, get, get the best that we can into our fall preview. Um, 
So make sure you go ahead and check that out on newsstands on August 29th, which also happens to be the first day of the high school football season. Also happens to be my three-year anniversary at the Record Eagle. Wow. And also happens to be the ber- birthday of my lovely girlfriend. Well, on this whatever podcast. you can do to keep that memory marked in your head that it's her birthday, just keep that because... You're gonna get in trouble someday. I, I could when see I forget that it. And yeah, yeah. So just remember that day. Yeah. You'll be all right. Like yeah, it's my record eagle anniversary, and also some yeah, person's yeah, birthday. Yeah, who whatever. cares? Yeah, you forget that, then it's a different kind of walk off. <laughs> <laughs> it's a walk out. No, but uh, yeah. So make sure you keep a lookout for that. Uh, James and I and Brett will be jumping out to as about as many football camps as our bodies will allow us to stretch to over the next couple of weeks. So there will be season previews for. Just about all of our area coverage uh, football teams, if we can get out to you guys. If if not, it's nothing against you. It's just football season's coming up quicker than we thought it might. Time's a ticking. Yeah, right. Time's a ticking, and we're, uh, we're, we're, we're working for you. But make sure you keep a lookout over the next two weeks for that type of stuff. Before we get out of here, we do want to do a little trifecta since the podfather himself uh, did suggest earlier. And there is now three of us when we first started this episode. Didn't really didn't know there was going to be three of us to do a trifecta, um, but Brendan has graced us with his presence once again. So we'll, we'll it's been go. quite a while, actually. I can't remember the last time I was in the podcast studio. Well, welcome back. Jeopardy? Yeah, probably Jeopardy or the yeah, Spelling when, Bee or whenever that was. When you posted your Jeopardy picture in my cubicle expecting me not to draw a devil face on it. Right. It just happened. But uh, we'll, we'll go with his suggestion, the trifecta. If we had a ESPN 30 for 30 or a TCRE 30 for 30, that was made about the Pitts Bitter season. What would be your your one sentence, uh, your one sentence tagline, your your hook? To get so I, I I was thinking about this, and I would I was going with uh, what if I told you, a team that didn't exist just months earlier became a team of destiny, and a champion. For all. So I like that one. Okay. James or Jake. I can't you, top that. You gonna you gonna step up to the plate with any kind of thirty? I don't, I don't know. That what I if I that. what if I told you I, 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 I couldn't top that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. What if I told you that pit spitters spit pits while they spit oh, pit pit spits? Is this like how much wood could a woodchuck chuck? Yeah. Woodchuck could chuck wood. But how many pits do a pit spitter pit if a pit spitter could, could spit, spit pits? There it is. What if I told you? <laughs> what if I told you? <laughs> There's a team in the league called the Woodchucks. How many woodchucks could a woodchuck pit spit if a pit spit? Pit, oh boy. Spit could chuck woodchucks. See, and we've lost everybody. Yeah. Well, James, do you have a tagline, or are you just going to give up on this one? Oh, man. Uh, they didn't quit. There it is. That's true. What if I told you they didn't quit? <laughs> there you it. go. What, what if I told you you knew how this story was going to end? There you go. Oh. It's, yeah, because we had such great media coverage on it, you already read it across the nation. Well, no, but it, like we were talking about... It, it, in the playoffs, it just seemed like they were going to win. Yeah, it did. Nothing was going to stop them. Yeah. From non-existence to a championship destiny. Well, they this were... is the story of the Traverse City Pittsbitters. Yeah. <clears throat> in the in the uh, in the press box at the Kalamazoo game, even the, the I was a PA guy and somebody else up there was talking, and they had just beat Traverse City in the last game of the season, like eight to one, I think it was, and. One of the guys was like, yeah, the Traverse City team we're going to see tonight is not going to be the Traverse City team we beat last night. And, uh, like, even they were that, that, getting ready to not win this game. Yeah. And what doesn't surprise me, even when I talked to, talked to the All-Claire Express coach, he was like, These, they, they were obviously the best team in this league. Like, we were, hum- we were coming up here trying to play spoiler. You know, they, they knew that they were, not, they were the favorites. They knew that Traverse City was the ones to beat. But, uh yeah, I mean, they even we. I mean, we mentioned this and we kind of uh, did a little brief on it at the very beginning of the season. But I mean, even the beginning of the, tra- the beginning of the season for the Traverse City Pittsburghers when they were featured on ESPN, mm-hmm. like they did their very first like like local baseball or whatever, like minor league baseball spotlight, and they brought the Traverse City Pittsburghers, you know, tossed them on there. I mean, just from that moment on, it almost felt like it was so pretty real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it was all like, oh wow, like guys, let's this do is a, a thirty deal. for thirty on the Pittsburghers. That'll be awesome. I'm yeah, sure that, they've that, got they've the got the title really matters though. And the it does. And the nice thing about it is that all those games were recorded. You know, so we'll be able to we use that. The... There was a drone. Did you guys see the drone up uh on on Friday night like during the bottom of the ninth inning? No, we were inside of a press box. We couldn't look in the sky. Yeah, there's like a drone hanging out. Oh, good for them. But like I got to find that footage somewhere. Right. Well, 
for all for all the coverage um, that we had over the season, head to recordeagle.com if you want to read about their winning streak, any type of changes that happened, and all the way up to the championship game where James and Brett did a fantastic job of uh, telling that story. Uh, that That's all in our past issues. Make sure you look ahead to our um, earlier issues, and we will be back next week with a full uh, – episode about the fall sports season Uh, football season starts next week so we're going to be kicking it back into gear here but until then um i've been your host my name is jake adnip for brendan queely and james cook thank you very much for listening to the get around we'll see you next week